Hey, listener. Welcome to Overcaffeinated with Attitude. I'm your host, Lara Riz. And I'm your other host, Caitlin Adams. Hi, we're back. Woo, we're we took back. A little brief, <laughs> we took a little brief hiatus. Um, but before we get started, um, I have spent a ridiculous amount of time this weekend researching Vanderpump Rules drama uh, <laughs> between Tom Sandoval cheating on his partner, Ariana, with Bambi-eyed Raquel. This season of Vanderpump Rules remind me of, reminds me of the glory days you know, back when Jax and um, a few other characters were um, just causing a whole lot of drama. And I can't wait to see all of this unfold uh, in the current season. Um, however, uh, for now, uh, Caitlin, what are we talking about today? Jeepers. Well, I just want to say that I cannot wait to get um, all updated on the Vanderpump drama. I am way behind. I think I'm seasons behind. And then like when all of this started like bubbling to the surface, I was like, what is happening? It broke on Friday when we were at an art exhibit and I was just like, oh, well, there goes my weekend. (laughs) (laughs) This is all I could think about now. Yeah. But um, today um, we have Another topic to talk about, um, the beautiful queen of my life, uh, Pamela Anderson, um, who's recently really started to tell her story. And so today's episode is going to be a lot about uh, her book, uh, mostly her book, definitely her documentary as well, because I think the two tie into one another. And just, you know, how women are treated in media. Um, you know, once there's a perception about them and, you know, how hard it is to really uh, have your own voice in, you know, pop culture or, you know, possibly just as a woman in general, but definitely uh, those who are exposed to the media uh, and are a public figure. So we're talking about Queen Pamela today. Queen Pam. She is a, if you do not know, if you are not aware, which I find that, that hard to believe, but Whatever. We'll we'll get into some backgrounds. Um, Pamela Anderson is a 55-year-old female um, known for her role as C.J. Parker on Baywatch from 1992, which is the year I was born and the world was blessed with my presence, to 1997. And, of course, she was, you know, in Playboy. And that is, you know, a, two of her claims to fame. Um, however, I'm really excited to talk about this because um, I think that there is a clear perception of how uh, she's portrayed in the media and how she's let herself be portrayed and her you know role as a model and actress in Hollywood um I think that the, the memoir and her documentary which are both from her perspective kind of leave any previous perceptions of her at the door and I think that you know we're you, you really see you know what a beautiful soul she really is uh through both her documentary and her memoir and and she's finally claiming her story which is really cool because I mean when we go back to you know our scam artist podcast and like how like people tend to be betrayed I think that there's a lot of romanticizing that goes on when when you know people tell their story and and I think we'll probably get into a little bit about the 2022 Hulu release Pam and Tommy throughout this podcast but I, I really am excited to focus on her because you know she in this, in, in telling her story, she's kind of done being like the male fantasy and she's kind of defining the rest of her life. And that's, and that's pretty remarkable and amazing for any, any woman, but especially her who has, you know, a really crazy story to begin with. Right. Right. And I think that you have a really great point in saying that 
I, I think that she is ready to be done being, you know, mm-hmm. seen uh, by the the male gaze. And she's really living life on her terms, but in her own romantic way, like something that is a thread throughout, you know, the documentary, her, uh, her documentary, uh, which is currently on Netflix is called Pamela, a love story. Um, it's currently on Netflix. I watched it and I cried a little bit. Um, but, and then there's also love Pamela, which is her book. And I think in both of them, she really, the editing in the both the book and the documentary and you know her narrative really show this romantic life even though she has shifted the perception of who she is as a person um i think one thing that's really important to pamela from both of these pieces of material is that she wants to live every day with intention and with romance and when she was younger she didn't know how to do that Um, and it led her astray many times. And now she's finally found enough strength to, you know, live that romantic life. Um, and it doesn't always mean having a partner. It can mean, you know, picking flowers or, you know, interacting with her animals and we'll get into all that more, but I think it's just so beautiful that, um, such a gentle woman who's gone through so much is now able to, you know, finally show the world who she truly is, which I think is great. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. I mean, I think that the documentary and the book definitely mirror each other and they complement one another when you go and watch them. Um, And I definitely recommend, you know, for the listener to watch and read both of them to really get the full story. Because obviously in the book, you kind of have more room to for Pamela has more room to like let her story be told and you know, the documentary does a really good job of giving highlights of what happens. But in the book, what I liked is I felt like I was inside Pamela's head. And and this is like a woman who's very well read. And I don't really think that a lot of people truly knew that about her. I mean, she was like mentioning, you know, the motorcycle diaries. Um, She was name dropping. And, and we'll definitely get into that. Um, And, you know, obviously, like, she does get into, you know, the the sex tape, but but this is this is like past the sex tape. Like this is like, you know, this is you get a more authentic version of her. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, So one thing I'd like to mention just generally in this episode, um, caution warning and trigger warnings. Um, If we can, I'll try to put uh, or or relay a timestamp. But unfortunately, Pamela, you know, did go through a lot of um, hard things and uh, we'll be talking about some physical abuse and sexual abuse. So just want to make that clear um, in her story. Um, because I think that is not quintessential to her whole story, but it definitely is part of her story. And like you said as well, though, she's so much more than her sex tape. When you're watching the documentary, it almost seems like a a beautiful promotion for her book because it kind of highlights certain points in which, you know, her life, she talks about early abuses and one story with her babysitter which I I guess we can speak about, which was particularly uh, disturbing, but it kind of gave you a look into her world as a young child, moving all the way up into adulthood and kind of gave you a piece of how she thinks and what her mind looks like. 
So I really suggest personally, I think watching the documentary first and then reading the book because it just elaborates so much more on who she is. And it kind of surprised me. I mean, I knew she was intelligent and that her, you know, bubbly blonde image wasn't, you know, you know, she was no dummy. But um, one that really stuck out to me in the book was when she was speaking Mm -hmm. about how she would memorize um, all of Shakespeare's sonnets. And till this day, she can like just recite them on command, which I think is amazing. Like, how would you ever know that about her? And if you just don't give her the time of day and you still are stuck in the 90s where, you know, she had a sex tape and that's all she's good for. Like, it really doesn't, it, it's, it puts you at a disadvantage when there's such a beautiful woman who's so worldly. She really is that has such a story to tell. And I think it it puts, you know, the public as at a disadvantage if you're not um, giving her the time to, you know, tell her story. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's just when I read, when I read the book and I watched the documentary, I think it's kind of a lesson in, in empathy. And I think it kind of reminded me a little bit of like what it is to be human and just kind of, you know, she had to deal with a scandal, you know, pretty much kind of on her own. I mean, Obviously, when you look at like, you know, Tommy Lee, you know, being, you know, a male and like her being a female, like just vastly different reactions. I mean, everyone, you know, kind of, you know, gang ganged up on her and was like, you know, well, you, you know, you pose for Playboy, like you're putting yourself out there. Like, why is this such a problem? Like you're, you know, I I don't know. And I think that that's probably like a a contrib like contributing to, you know, the the media and you know how how she was portrayed by you know like the media and being like this like sex icon but but she's so much more than that and I think that you know at the time you you have to think about like the fact that there wasn't even like really like I don't know like cell phones or like you know like we weren't as in touch at it as we are today um so I think you kind of have to like kind of take that into consideration too that like in the 90s everything was just like emerging like you know like I remember growing up with like AOL and internet but like at this time like this like sex scandal broke like this is really I think like the first like I don't know scandal that I can recall um where it was just so publicized and there was just so much access to it even though there were like only VH there were VHSs but it was like like coming into the internet and and it's crazy to think about Right. You know, they were both thrusts pr- pretty much unjustly. And we'll get into that, too. But they were thrust into, you know, the public eye with this really private moment. And they were really like this, you know, shooting off point for the Internet. Like you said, I mean, they were the first viral moment, if you really think about it. And I know that sounds super cheesy to say, but it's really true. Like every single person was either downloading their tape or speaking about it, or talking in chat rooms about it, or sharing it with, you know, their friends, or, you know, it was on late night, you know, with Jay Leno, like he was making fun of her, which is another thing, but it was really the first viral moment. And I don't think anyone knew how to react to that. Um, And good, bad, or otherwise, they had to deal with this newfound stardom that was even more than they could have imagined. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when people are recorded without their consent um, now and they become memes or something like that. And they don't really have the 
ability. I mean, I know it's different from a sex tape and that that's very serious and that's a whole nother thing we can get into, but it kind of is that kind of relation between, you know, someone without their consent is being filmed and it's all over the internet and they have nothing they can never do about it. It's this powerless feeling, which Pam gets into. She talks about how powerless she felt and how, you know, she felt like she was the worst woman in the world. I think she said when it was released, um, because she had no idea how to control the internet. So I can't imagine doing that now. Like I can't imagine (laughs) having to deal with that, even knowing what we know about the internet, let alone like they had no idea. They had no idea that you can even do this. And it was being spread everywhere. Like I can't, the gravity of that is just something that no normal person can really deal with or, or should have to deal with. I hope not. Um, you know, unfortunately there is the whole aspect of, you know, revenge porn. That is something that women and men, um, and those in between deal with, uh, which is horrible, but I, I don't know how you truly ever get over a moment like that, knowing that yeah. somewhere on the internet that someone's watching that it's, it's always going to be an invasion of who you are. Right. And especially because like, obviously like, you know, these were home videos that were stolen from their home and, you know, the individual or whoever was responsible was basically, you know, created like a mashup of all of their really private, intimate moments. And that's just so crazy that like someone profited off of that because they neither Tommy Lee um, or Pamela Anderson um, like got any money from any of the tapes. I mean, it, it just it just went viral in a crazy way where you know people were dressing up as Pamela Anderson and like selling these tapes and um there was just a lot of like notoriety and paparazzi like surrounding them um and and also I think it's because you know when they first met they had such a crazy love story um but I think that first we should probably talk about um their relationship with her parents, um, because that's kind of where she starts, um, you know, in the book and in the movie, her parents actually had a abusive relationship. And and there were times where the mother left and like the father couldn't like find her. And I mean, that's that's crazy in itself. And obviously, like Pamela got abused by her babysitter. And then um, throughout her life, she's been treated very poorly by a lot of men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought it was really interesting learning a little bit more about the parents' dynamic and their relationship. Like they're still, I think they're both still alive and still married. Yeah. But I really think that that relationship and, you know, obviously I'm not a psychologist or anything, like I'm not therapist, but, um, just from reading it and I think she's implying it as well, that her mother and father's relationship and how they would fight and, you know, f- then, you know, for lack of a better word, fuck, like they would just, you know, be so passionate a hundred percent of the time, whether they were kicking the crap out of each other or, you know, kissing in the kitchen. And I think that really set a precedence of what a relationship would look like for Pamela. Like she thought everything needed to have such like a fiery, intense passion. And that's what kind of love you should strive for. Um, Not to say that she was looking for an abusive relationship, but I think that that kind of somewhere in her mind kind of how do I want to say 
was something in the back of her mind, subconscious. That's the word. I'm trying to like make words come out, but consciously <laughs> that was what she was looking for in a partner. Someone that she was going to love her that intensely and that unconditionally, because really from her standpoint, both of them would get very heated, very angry, would abuse one another. But then at the end of the day, it would come back to each other, which I think is a theme through Pamela's relationship and her life, um, which is, is wild. But I think that you can see that mirrored almost exactly in her relationship with Tommy Lee. Um, it was almost the same exact kind of dynamic. They would fight with each other. Um, now only at the end did it get physical, but, um, and they would just get back together and that that's how it was. Yeah. As far as the Hulu series, Pam and Tommy, I have to say I watched it. Uh, I think you watched it too, right? Yes. Yeah. And I have to say like, at points I enjoyed it, but at the same time, how can I say it? Like I felt bad watching it. Right. Like I don't, I felt a certain way about it. I felt like it was, it wasn't the most exploitative thing I've ever watched. And I can definitely feel how the screenwriters and the people behind it thought that they were giving Pam a voice, but ultimately I don't think that that's what happened. Um, I think that I kind of agree. I think it was a little exploitative. Um, you know, they obviously didn't really get, I don't think they got Pam to sign off on it, on it. No, she didn't um, approve of it at all. Yeah, she didn't approve of it at all. And also, it was probably a splice of the most painful time in her life. I mean, you know, during this time, she had a miscarriage. Um, her and Tommy were being followed around by the paparazzi. And I mean, I I, I mean, I love the actors. Like, I love Lily James. And, and the makeup that they did on her was phenomenal. Um, so good. Yeah, the makeup, I mean, the makeup and costumes were, like, on point. But at the same time, I mean, I feel like, you know, Pam, Pamela Anderson didn't make any money off of the Hulu series. Um, I don't think she did. I'm I'm pretty sure she didn't. And it, and it just kind of re-traumatized her. So, like, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, get, I think it won, I have to look this up, but I feel like it won a couple of awards. I don't remember which ones. Um but yeah, like, I, I just am not sure. Like, I, I feel like it won a bunch of, I don't know if it won a bunch of awards or not. Um, But yeah, no, it definitely, there was definitely inconsistencies because I mean, like, obviously, like, they don't know who stole the tapes. Well, they do. Oh, they do? I thought well, that they didn't. Well, here's the thing. They, so like, speculated, I thought, because I, th- I swear that in her book, like, she doesn't really know how the tapes went missing because Right. So I think what happened was there is confirmation that Rand, I think his name is, did steal the tape. It's just that she, one, never met him, two, never was associated with him. And in the court proceedings, they weren't in a room together. So I don't know if she didn't know who he was or chose not to speak about him and give him fame. Um, But I'm pretty certain that like that that character Rand that's played by Seth Rogen is the man the construction worker that did leak the tape and that is true um because he is a real person 
who um, was the child of a former actor. He had all kind of like messed up things going on too. But the inconsistency between the series and the book, well, her account is that they made it seem like Tommy was such a dick, which, you know, you can almost believe like Tommy Lee does seem like someone who's pretty fiery and kind of like, hmm, eh, you know, but they made it out to seem like he stiffed the construction crew which no one had any record of that um threatened them and gave them like this motive the show creates this motive of why the tape was stolen and in the book pam says like none of this ever happened we don't know what happened one day we just knew that it went missing and we had no idea why and i just think that I don't know if they consulted the real life person that stole the tape. And that's why um, that story came to be. And they were just speculating that without getting Pam or Tommy's side of the story. Or if they just wanted to make up a story so that it would be a popular series and there would be, you know, 10 episodes and they can package them neatly. But I think that's so cruel. And it made me like the series even less when I read the book thinking of like poor Pam like she did nothing in this situation in both the show and in real life and um now even more so she they didn't do anything they were like literally victims in this where they would literally just record each other all the time they had these cute little videos in their safe and their privacy was stolen and now it was stolen even more with the series yeah, I mean, I think from a journalistic perspective, I think it's hard to find any, um, it's it's hard to find what, like, the true, true, deep down truth is of any situation, because obviously you have so many um, perspectives, and, you know, everyone else, ex- everyone kind of experiences reality differently, but I think that with the show, it did take a lot of liberties, and, you know, I, I think... I don't know if I'd go back and like watch it like but I highly recommend that like if people only saw the um like Pam and Tommy Hulu show like do a little bit more research and like you know pick up the book or like the or watch the documentary and just get like some more I guess perspective. Mm-hmm. No I agree. I, I think that whether you liked the series or not is kind of irrelevant because they do say that it is partially fictionalized. But I I agree with you. I think that it does you a disservice if you are a fan of anyone that's, you know, cited in the show. Um, You know, if you don't kind of do a little bit more research. Not to say that it wasn't entertaining. Like, I thought it was kind of funny. Oh, yeah. Um, You kind of went a little too far when Sebastian Stan's dick was talking to me, but... Oh, yeah, that was weird. I didn't really like... (laughs) I could have done without it, but... Um, you know, everybody did their best. I think the acting was funny, but at the end of the day, is is this piece of media worth it if it's really hurting a live living person? You know, it kind of brings up like a moral dilemma. I think so too, but I mean, I'm glad that she's sharing her story now, and I think that she's kind of trying to take control of more of like her narrative. Um. And I'm glad that she feels, like, empowered to do so. Um, So her early life, though, was seriously troubling. And I think that the thing that really struck me 
Um, you know, even outside of her relationship with her parents, um, you know, the abuses that she dealt with at a really young age was like her resilience, like reading, I'm like almost getting choked up, like reading her speaking about these horrific things that happened to her as a little child. And then just like having to process it by herself because she didn't tell anyone is just the worst kind of pain that you can think of. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine what she um was like, I mean, like what you're, how you process that, internalize it and then, I guess, continue on because I think that what, what she went through in, in the abuse aspect of um, when she was a child is, is really heartbreaking. Um, and you just see, I think this strength she carries throughout her entire, you know, life up until this point. Um, there is one point in the book that I don't really know if I feel comfortable talking about it, but um, she was talking about one of the instances of of abuse, and I I kind of had to stop reading because I I just got so sick sick to my stomach that I just need need like a, to pause and and cleanse um, because it, it was horrific. Like like it's something that I I don't even want to talk about because like it it just was so disturbing, but. Um, you know, if you read the book, like you can read it for yourself, but like, yeah, the abuse that she went through was, was, was really heartbreaking. Now, I don't know which time you're talking about, but I did want to bring up how I think she's just such a beautiful person. And I love how she's dealt with her own traumas enough as a a 55 year old woman to process them. Um, and I thought it was horrible and disgusting and kind of like funny at the same time when she was talking about her babysitter. Um, yeah. So I'm going to brush past the details, but she was sexually abused by her babysitter when she was very young. Um, and she wanted her babysitter to die and she tried to stab her with a pen. And then she said that the babysitter died the next day. And she goes, I thought I did it with my brain. And I had to laugh. When she said, I thought I killed my babysitter, like it made me laugh. And you can tell that that's like kind of what she wanted. She has this way of writing, frankly, about these things that happened to her because she's been able to work past them. And it, she weaves humor or, or perspective into it that I think is like really great. Like that part, like it was just so shocking to read. And then she goes, the next day after I told her I wanted her to die, she died. And I thought I did that with my magical brain. And I just laughed like, like, what can you do? And it kind of reminded me, I don't know if it's because I read it so recently or what, but it kind of reminded me of the frankness that um, Jeanette McCurdy uh, wrote in. I, yeah. I'm glad my mom died. I think their writing styles are different, but the way they process trauma, I think is, is super similar where they are just like, look, this is what happened. I've gotten past it through years of, you know, like work and therapy and this is my story. And I think, um, you know, not to bring up Jeanette too much, but both of these books, like, I think blew me away. And to your point about the abuses though, both of them made me stop, um, a few times. Like I needed to stop. I needed to take a breath 
a break. And um, there were some things that were like pretty um, unexpectedly triggering, I guess, in both of them. Um, you know, not to say that I can really relate to uh, Pamela Anderson's struggle or, or Jeanette's, but um, I think, I don't know how I want to say it, like to a point, there's very human experiences that these women go through that I think in some facet of our lives, like every woman will go through, not that you'll go through a, a horrific abuse or, you know, a needing disorder, but you're reading these stories and the way that they speak is so just from their heart that it kind of reminds you of your own struggles and how you're dealing with your own shit basically. <laughs> so yeah. I, I and, just love the frankness of Pamela's writing. That's what I'm trying to say in a really long way. I mean, there's always going to be creepy old dudes in the corner. I'm not saying that's right, but like, I don't know. There, there's always going to be, I think as I think, I think that with, I think a lot of times in, I, I think no one really prepares a young woman for um, when there's a point in her life that she starts getting sexualized mm -hmm. and like, you know, your, your body's going through changes. You don't really know who you are. Um, you know, as you become like a young woman into, you know, an adult woman, um, there's a lot of instances where you're like, that's weird or that's creepy or like 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 I'm just trying to live my life and like I think that there's a lot of um I don't really know what I'm trying to say but like I I just think that there's no way to prepare as a woman for all of the challenges that you have to face and there are times where I think that you really need to surround yourself with a good group of other women who get it and I think that's kind of why, like, I think female friendships are are really important because, you know, it, I think that there's a lot of challenges that are made a lot easier when you have a good group of female friends that you can be like, hey, you know, my coven or my collective or my group, like my people, like it, it takes a village to like kind of like navigate um, certain situations. And, I, and I'm not saying like, you know, I think that abuse and, and, and what she went through is a little extreme, but I mean, like, there's like daily things that happen, um, and maybe my, like microaggressions. And that's kind of what I'm trying to say that happen. that you kind of just need to, you know, get a vibe check maybe. And like, you know, have a good group of women that you're like, all right, guys, is this weird? Like, can you check me? Like, or like, am I, you know, overthinking it or insane? Because I think what, like, I think that, um, where like female empowerment comes in is like, I think the greatest thing a woman can do for herself is just take care of herself first. Um, and, and not, and like not be, um, apologetic about it. And I, and I think that Pam is finally doing that. Um, and, and it's really beautiful to see. Yeah. Uh, and to your point, I mean, talking about Pamela and, you know, um, the, I guess, support system of women, I think it can be like really isolating, uh, to have, um, you know, these experiences 
Um, and I'm not saying like men bad, like just these experiences in our lives, either romantically. I mean, and this can even be like in a same sex relationship. It doesn't have to be like man versus woman. Um, but I think it is a uniquely women experience centric experience of, you know, um, you know, having to deal with this kind of, or I should say femme presenting too, of kind of being objectified, um, more than more than male presenting people. Uh, I, I know that males are objectified um, in the media. Uh, Pedro Pascal recently kind of has been going through this like slutty daddy thing, which he's, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> he's the internet slutty daddy, but um, to a point, and I'm not trying to get off on a tangent, but you know, it's not always females, but what I'm trying to say is like, um, with him, it was really interesting, uh, because he was on this, the red carpet to the Mandalorian and he was presented, I think by inside edition, they were trying to make him read like saucy tweets oh, on yeah. the red carpet and he read them and he goes, haha. And he was like very polite about it. And he's like, those were really good. And they're like, are you going to like, can you read them out loud for us? And he goes, no. And it was just a really stern, strong way of saying like, no, you're not going to objectify me right now because that's what they were trying to do. And I think that it's important, you know, especially for women, because I think it is mostly women and female presenting individuals that get this. Um, but for anyone to reclaim their power, you know, Pamela did that expertly after, you know, and she did it early on for herself. And now she's getting to do it publicly. Like you really read it. You know, she had a point where she had a really abusive boyfriend when she was in the very beginning of her like modeling career with Labatt's. Um, so a little bit of insight. She was a Labatt's model. She got, um, I think she got discovered at a football game by one of her friends. Yeah. But long story short, she was like, I think one of her friends was a representative for Labatt's. And um, he, you know, found that she like looked perfect for the part got her like going blah 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 but yeah I think she was in a relationship at that point that was like super abusive and was like you're never gonna make it you're a slut like you're not gonna be a model like all these kind of things and it was like then and moving forward where she decided she needed to take some claim in her life and be her own person and I think she does that expertly she never she for herself so that she can be the person that she became found those daily strengths and found ways to give herself peace in her mind when you know the rest of the world was objectifying her and I think that's something that you know we need to lean towards is like you have this public image I think everyone has a public image nowadays it's not just public figures and we need to kind of take a step back and be like everyone can think one way about me but this is how I feel about myself. And this is the inner peace that I'm going to give myself. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, she, yeah, she went to um, like the game in, you know, a Labatt's t-shirt and like, that's how she got discovered. Um, and then, you know, she just like blew up from there. And like Labatt's, I love Labatt's. I don't know if I've ever had it. I don't think I've ever had it, but I definitely, it's on the, it's on the to try list. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then she, you know, obviously somehow got founded by like Playboy, which I mean, it's really crazy how her life happens because it seemed like she 
had such an energy about her that she was just given these like crazy opportunities that she just was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Like, and, and I think that that is something so special um, because like she, she just kind of like, you know, became like a cover girl for Playboy um, just from like maybe like one or two conversations with like Hugh Hefner, like, and that wasn't even like sexual in nature. Like I think Hugh Hefner just like saw that she was going to be huge. Like, yeah. and like, and, and the thing I also want to mention about, you know, Playboy is like, obviously um, she kind of skims over like all of the like Playboy scandals. Um, I know that it's on Hulu, but for like the listener who wants, you know, to um, find out like more about like the Playboy like scandals, um, uh, it's called the secrets of playboy um and it includes like archival footage um and like exclusive interviews with like people who were a part of like the playboy world um so she kind of like skips over that in her book probably because she doesn't want to get sued um and i mean i i'm sure she was aware of it but like it that's like really not the focus of like her book like her book is really more about like her story like she's not really like divulging like any like of her like um any of like playboys like secrets but it it seemed like from her perspective like hugh hefner was also playing a part like i think he like winks at her like is like you're gonna be huge like or like off to like the side and like he and then he like goes back to being like really boastful and hugh hefner-esque um and i was trying to remember the show um the reality show that he had with um the girls next door yeah like i I, I was obsessed (laughs) I like don't I I vaguely remember it. I should have I was trying to like remember what it was before we talked about about um Pamela on the and on the podcast, but it just seems like, you know, Hugh Hefner was also like playing a part and he was like also, you know, um I, I don't really know how much how involved or how much he knew about like the scandals. Um, but you know, it, it's just it's just crazy like seeing these like things in in pop up in like in in pop culture now and you're like whoa like that was like from like the 90s like that is crazy that is from the 90s that's from the 90s yeah there's an american girl doll that's like a 90s girl american girl doll and i don't know how to feel about that i saw i spiraled dude when i saw her little freaking like inflatable chair and shit i was like I had one of those. Yeah, awesome. I want one now. Honestly, it was not comfortable, but boy, was a it was a vibe. But (laughs) I just, I, I don't know. Going back to the the Playboy thing, I mean, I think that she was really smart in only speaking about her experiences. She had very limited time actually interacting with playmates being at the mansion she talked about how starstruck she was how she saw these celebrities mingling with one another and how it was like a fantasy land um but she was very i I mean i don't think it was like malicious but like i think she was very intentional in like skipping like you said any um controversy one because she wasn't really involved in it and two you know, because that wasn't the story she was trying to tell. I think that with Love Pamela, it was really like literally a love note to herself, like saying, these are all of the things that happened in my life to make me the 55 year old Canadian that's like standing on a beach with her two sons, you know, 
and really reflecting on how she became like a bombshell and an icon and now is just pretty much a regular woman that's just like fighting for the rights of animals and like living her life yeah and and she seems to have um always used her influence to try to fight for those who maybe didn't like have a voice like animals um and that's that's really cool too yeah, I mean, that's the biggest part of her life right now, other than her sons, is, you know, and it's been a, a, an essential talking point for a long time has been her um, animal advocacy. Uh, sh- she kind of jettisoned her controversy at the tail end of, like, you know, the Tommy Lee sex tape into, okay, I'm going to show my body for animals. Um, and I thought that was really cool. It's somewhere in either the documentary or the book that she talks about how she did that. She just goes like, you know, like, fuck it. Uh, I'm going to, you know, pose nude for uh, PETA. Uh, and then she said that she saw it on Times Square. And it was just like such a great moment for her because, you know, she felt empowered as a woman, um, you know, posing and taking back her her body. And then also she was doing it for something that she felt really strongly about. So, so she is no stranger to fighting for a cause, you know, not being um, afraid to shy away from a controversy. Um, but I think that her time uh, fighting for animals um, is kind of, you know, the hill that she is definitely willing to die on, um, especially when it comes to, um, you know, she lives a vegan lifestyle. Um, you know, she she practices what she preaches. Um, and she just really basically wants to raise money for uh, animal rights um, and activism. Right. And, you know, she's been an advocate for animals since her childhood. Um, in the book, she goes into why she felt so strongly about, you know, protecting every living thing because her father had said, hey, don't go into the pump house after a hunting trip. And she just had to, you know, she needed to see what was going on. She was six years old. And then she walked in and there was a deer that was, you know, being prepped for, you know, meat. And uh, ever since then, she told her father not to go hunting anymore. He agreed that he wouldn't do it anymore. And uh, that's when she really started being like, someone needs to fight for animals which I think is amazing like to have a lifelong commitment like that and I mean I think her father still probably went hunting he just didn't bring (laughs) yeah yeah I mean that that's kind of seems like how it would track for her um for her for her dad um because her dad seems like he just was a wild man like he just lived by the seat of his pants and he just kind of did whatever he wanted but um I think that with in including with like her work as an activist for animals um i think we also see throughout the book and through the documentary how dedicated of a mother she is um you know she is very protective of her boys um and since she never got any money um from you know the sex tape or you know her her career kind of ended once she became a mother um, she she still made it work. Um, she's she managed to send, I believe, both boys to private school, um, and or boarding school. I think they're kind of the same thing. Um, and and she really managed to put them first. Um, and obviously that's why she kind of left Tommy. Um, 
because you know it was a it got to be too toxic and I, I think that Tommy from what she says in the book and the documentary will always be the love of her life but um she kind of chose to love him from afar and I mean it's just amazing to see the dynamic between her and her two boys because it's just a really special bond and you can tell that they just really love each other and that she really tried through her parenting style not to make the same mistakes that her parents did but also to let her boys kind of like lead their own lives as well right and so it seems like that while Pam loved her parents, it's almost from like a nostalgia standpoint where like, these are my parents. I love them because I'll always love them. But when you see like her with her two boys, it's almost like you could see not only is there love there, but there's respect. Like they really do respect their mom. Like in the documentary, when they were watching like all those old videotapes and talking with her, you can tell that there's like this affection that doesn't come from like just being like, oh yeah, well, she's my mom. So I have to love her. Like they really admire her for the person that she is and you know what they, that she was to them. Like she never, you know, hired a nanny. I remember that reading that and, and that was amazing to me that she always just made it work. Um, you know, I'm sure she had childcare sometimes, but um, she never hired like a, a live-in nanny or anything like that, which, you know, most celebrities do. And um, she was always just putting her children first. One thing that also went viral um, in regards to like this whole book tour was um, a part of the book where she mentions that um, the boy's gym teacher was actually a hired security guard which oh, bodyguard, whatever you want to say. And I just think that's amazing that she did all these little things to make them think that will make it seem like they had like a normal upbringing and, you know, that they weren't privileged and well, as much as they could be. I mean, they're still Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson's kids, but um, kind of have that normalcy. And I think that that's, you know, really beautiful. And it really shines through that she actually really has a close connection with her sons. And also, I think it's cool that like, you know, she um was such a free spirit and and i think it shows in how she was talking about in her book that um they would go surfing before they went to school mm-hmm. and like she would you know pick up breakfast and be like all right boys like we really have to get going you guys have to shower and get ready for school like gotta go like and i don't know it just seems cool um that she just let them you know experience um life but still, you know, still be present, like still manage to be so present and, and, and with it and just be like, all right, like, you know, these boys are my life now. And um, I don't know, it just seems really cool that she was able to be, um, you know, a mother that they both, the boys both like respected and like continue to love. Um, and, you know, especially because they were so proud of her, you know, once she, um she got the part for Roxy Hart in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. They were over the moon for her. And you can tell like in the footage when she finds out that she's going to be Roxy, like they are just so ecstatic for her. And she feels the same way. She, you can tell that she's like overwhelmed and excited and it was something new for her and watching in the documentary, like the grueling process of Broadway was just so interesting to me because Brian and I, my husband and I um, saw 
her on Broadway. And like, as soon as I saw that she was going to be on Broadway, like I needed the tickets. Like I didn't care. Like I, I bought them immediately and she was actually amazing. And it was so funny because I mean, she realizes this too, but Roxy. Okay. So one thing about Roxy Hart is people thought it was strange that she, uh, got the part, but it's not super strange because that is traditionally a part that has been given to over the last several years, at least 10, maybe more um, that Broadway's been running. It's been given to celebrities or stars as kind of like a guest appearance where they may not be the strongest singer or something like that. Like I know a few years ago, I really wanted to see Erica Jane from the real Housewives, yeah. and she was Roxy Hart. Now I heard she wasn't as good as Pamela, but I heard she was pretty good. Um, but it, given to someone that may not have the same chops as someone that's a Broadway performer um, because it's a little less grueling of a role. Um, But regardless, I think she did amazing. And the great thing about Roxy is that she kind of exemplifies this woman that's been thrust into the spotlight. The whole part, like the purpose of the play is Roxy who wants to be a star um, and wants to be famous and seeks out a other relationship from her husband, um, who she ends up killing after she finds out she's not going to be famous. And it was her trying to reach the top to be famous. Um, while all these people were expecting all these things of Roxy and telling her who she's going to be or what she looks like or how she could dress or what she can do. She was always thinking about herself and who Roxy was. And I thought that was amazing because that is Pamela Anderson. That is who she is. I mean, no, she didn't murder anyone, but (laughs) you know, it's still like, it shines through that symbolism of, you know, a strong woman just trying to, you know, have her own narrative be shown through, you know, the media. And she was so good. She was so good. She was unbelievable. That is so cool. And, and I think that it's, that's a great point. And I think that with the way I see Roxy Hart, it's Roxy Hart trying to make a name for herself in a man's world. Um, And I kind of just want to read a part of the, um, this like one little part of the book where she's describing how, you know, it was on stage. Mm -hmm. So she says, when I was on stage, it was the only time in my life I thought of nothing else. Everything felt right. After long periods of feeling wrong, I was finally in the zone. There are no coincidences. We find our own system, cosmology, the writer, the artist, the child untapped, the pain, it was all a gift. And then she goes in talking about how the show was was a success. Um, And then she felt rooted um, for the first time pretty much like in her life. Um, And, you know, she talks about, you know, her kids being so proud of her um, and that she conquered herself in this role. And she played Roxy not as a victim, um, but taking a page out of her own playbook. Exactly. Yeah. She was, she was an absolute stunner. And, you know, you can tell, like, you can feel that in her performance that she was just living in the moment and living for herself. And it it just, it was amazing. She was so good. That is so cool. I I wish I saw her. Cause I mean, when you were watching the, when I was watching the documentary, I was 
seeing how much work it went into um like the core uh, uh um like the dancing and you know it, it had to be intense days like uh, that has to be a really hard day you're you're you know you're training you know your body's going through a lot you're you know mentally you're trying to remember all these lines and like she shined oh yeah she was made to be a star one two a comedian like she's actually super funny like i think she's hilarious and even like watching her in interviews like the documentary definitely there were points where she had me laughing but like her comedic timing as Roxy was just absolutely amazing. I would love to see her do more Broadway and maybe not a musical. I mean, she didn't have like the world's most powerful singing voice. Like I wouldn't mistake her for Ariana or something, but like she did good. And I could totally see her being in some plays that maybe are straight plays that aren't musicals. I could see it. I think she's amazing. She has great timing. But, yeah, and I think that's her, and I think that if she did plays, um, I mean, I would love to see her in, you know, any kind of, you know, movie or um, television show, too, because, I mean, I think that she, you know, I think that she would give it her best effort. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing at this point in her life, she's just doing things that make her happy, which when anyone does that really I think that they're more successful and their, you know, happiness shines through. So her, you know, dedicating her life to only things that are going to make her happy is one, a great chapter for her and super healthy, but also it gives, you know, us that are the viewers or the listeners or the readers, you know, this gift of, you know, a really beautiful narrative. I just, I love her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I hope this serves as an inspiration for, you know, anyone that feels like they, their story isn't told or they, they've been silenced or something like that to really speak up. I I think that, you know, while I can't relate to her in a lot of ways, um, you know, she, she gave me inspiration to try to live my life more authentically, um, which I think we can all kind of try to do a little bit more yeah I think so too and um actually you know I um started listening to Jessica Simpson's first book on audio and and some of the things are very similar like she um was sexually abused um pretty young wow I did I had no idea about Jessica. yeah she yeah as a child and like there's like similarities I mean I haven't really finished it um but you know I definitely love to hear when celebrities um, kind of tell their own story because I feel like you get um, a more authentic version than, than what is like kind of fictionalized or um, like dramatized uh, in, you know, like shows about them. Right. Right. And I I think when it comes to the point where someone is writing a book or making a documentary or something like that, um, they're ready to tell something that hasn't been released in a press release or a statement or something like that. It is really them telling a truth that, you know, is more unscripted and unfiltered. So, yeah, I would love to read Jessica's. You said it was a book. 
Uh, it's I'm listening to it on as an audiobook. I would love to. I, I had no idea that she went through something like that, but I think that she, you know, does have similarities to Pam where she was kind of portrayed as like a certain way, like a really dumb kind of weak person. And I don't think that was ever fair. Even like as a young person, I'm like, no, Jessica's not dumb. She's just, you know, whatever. So I think that she just grew up really sheltered as, you know, um, in a religious background. And I, and I think that she just got exploited um, from like a young age. I mean, it talks about like how she like went out, she tried out for the, um, like the Disney show that all of them tried out for the Mickey Mouse Club. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and it goes like through that. So um, yeah, I mean, I can't remember the book off the top of my head, um, but um i'll let you know how it is we can we can circle back we'll circle back we'll we'll circle back well what are your last thoughts on pam pam is pam. pam as a book pam as a pam <laughs> um all of those things um pam is a queen um and a woman and an icon and a person she is the moment. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, it was really great, you know, not only speaking to this about you, uh, to, to <laughs> you about this, um, but also having the ability to, you know, um, really get into her mind. It was, I always admired her as even like the flighty, you know, and I'm not saying this in a, in a slur type of way, but bimbo. I loved her for, for Pam and just reading and watching and learning all of these different layers to her makes me respect her so much more. I just, I love her even more than I did before. So yeah. Love Pamela. Love Pamela. (laughs) And what? Pam. Pam. Dunder Mifflin, this is Pam. Oh my God. Do not. (laughs) Oh. gosh what do you guys want to hear next like what do you want to hear us talk about uh we have some things in the works but what should we talk about yeah i'd love to hear from the listener what do you want to us to discuss yeah <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for listening yes over caffeinated with attitude This has been Caitlin. I'm Laura. And we thank you for listening. Bye. Catch you on the flip. Bye.